It's the wild, wild westernized world of deception and lies. What's beef? Beef is when you starve in a famine. Nothing won't grow when the land stays barren. Pollution in the river, mercury in the salmon. What sense do it make to be at war with the planet? We at war for the mind so impressionable. Instead of vegetables, we reach for red bulls. Poor diets kill more brothers than pistols. We fighting for our lives like Michael Vick's pit bulls. Dog eat dog, America eats the young. We die from beef, but more from the meat than the gun. Bullets for breakfast and mass murder meals. Enemy of the state, and your plate is the battlefield in this food fight. Food fight. Food fight. Hello, you are listening to On Resistance Radio. This is X. This is the second show of our five-week series, War on the Poor. Hey, y'all, this is Ryan. Thanks for listening. Uh, Today's show is broken down into two parts. Part one is here, which you're listening to now. Part two will be on our SoundCloud station. Uh, We're going to be taking phone calls at the end of this half-hour show. Please call in at 818-985-5735 towards the end of the show, and we'll uh, be glad to hear what you have to say. Today's show is on environmentalism, food justice, and health care, as well as marching against Monsanto. So just posing a, a kind of question to everyone, there's a lot of alternative living and subcultures that urge to opt out of wasteful or dominant consumerism, like going green or freeganism or do-it-yourself community. Are these solutions enough to even brush the surface of larger macro-systemic issues of the pollution uh, which cause climate crises like food and water scarcity, access to materials and healthcare, or is there something missing from these efforts? This is Eshel, but uh, you're going to call me fed up today. <laughs> and, Are you feeling fed up today? Yeah, just just like frustrated with a lot of things uh, just in like daily life, having to work all the time. <laughs> or I just work to be able to like live. It gets exhausting. I guess just from the, the get-go of the question is just the inaccessibility of a lot of the alternative living and subcultures. Just even the question itself, I found hard to be able to answer because I don't even fully understand a lot of these things. Are still trying to understand like consumerism and how I consume and as well as appropriate alternative ways of living. I feel like I live alternatively or live a part of a subculture, but it's not necessarily one that's recognized. So it's like redefining the way in which I see these things. Uh, I don't really consider myself to adhere to any specific uh, rigid way of a diet. I do eat meat, but I only eat meat when I don't stir it. And when I have no money and all I can do is buy a dollar burger and I'm hungry. But I don't buy meat from markets. I haven't done it in years. And it's not something I've done consciously. I just never am at a market and decide I want to buy like pork chops. And I don't eat pork, but that's just because I like pigs. I think they're cute. Next, we had J-Ray and then Bobby. I think that there is a very significant trend in social justice communities to challenge capitalism and resource distribution by eating better, is the rhetoric, or eating well, going green, you know, using different products. And this is all still under capitalism. And unfortunately, choices that are more conscientious or are being talked about as more conscientious are expensive and actually inaccessible. So it creates this false binary that if you're not buying a certain way or eating a certain way, then you're not conscious or you don't care about your environment, which I think is really problematic because really it's just, it's not a badge of moral superiority to be able to not eat meat. It does like maybe reduce the harm. Maybe it's a means of harm reduction, but it doesn't actually stop those industries from targeting animals in inhumane ways and slaughterhouses. It doesn't actually stop the practice of capitalism. It just accepts yourself. So it's like harm reduction just for yourself because because you're not eating that poisonous meat, so you're maybe affecting how much harm you're doing on yourself and it's not really affecting the environment. 
structurally, I think it leaves a lot to be desired mm-hmm. in like changing our structures of eating and what's accessible. Just to kind of follow up about what J. Ray and Fed Up were both saying, I've dumpster dived myself as well. And I think the elements of going green and do it yourself, like curbside gardening and stuff, I think there are positives to that. I know there were something called Freedom Gardens or something. I mentioned it before, but it was during World War II. They mandated that you could grow vegetables in your front yards. Ended that after the war was over. But uh, elements like that of being able to grow your own food, I think they're important, but they don't go the entire way with what's necessary, right? Because you can afford to go to the gardening store and buy all these new plants, buy non-GMO seeds, buy, 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 and all of a sudden you've commodified your own resistance in going green. So that doesn't do anything for the the class and racial dynamics to environmentalism and food justice. Uh, It doesn't address the systemic roots at all. It just appeals to the moral conscience of people, which I don't think really has any place in resistance. Yeah, it makes me think about just how capitalism consumes everything and it distorts anything. So maybe some of these ideas are great, but with it being centralized by, you know, the facilitation of maybe even the state or things of that sort, sometimes people are making money. Some people are making money off of like people eating healthy, as well as there have been cultures well before the capitalist or even white culture started to want to opt into better ways of eating and living. The indigenous have been speaking or still speak on the way in which we treat nature and the environment anyway, and the way in which we interact with of their animals and other living things. So I just think it is something to be said about when white culture or the capitalists decide that they want to shift or change something that might be for the good of humanity, but who validates it? I feel like we've all mentioned that it's just withdrawing and alternatives is not just enough. We need some sort of opposition to these industries that continue to work regardless of the people that they're actually not serving. And there's a very, very much a myth about food scarcity. I mean, we see it with the waste that we produce. We see it with the waste that there continues to be within the dumpsters when people do go dumpster diving. But at the same time, people bring up good points about blanketing over these issues and not really not really getting to the root the fact that it is actually capitalism i went to this thing last year the 350.org lecture and naomi klein was there and she said nothing about capitalism and i was really surprised and disappointed because i was thinking like oh this is the time where they're going to actually talk about the disparity between you know like within our economy but instead it was just more issues that involved spending and consumer humanitarianism and uh, not really talking about poverty either Oh yeah, just very quickly about Naomi Klein. The only thing she'll ever mention is disaster capitalism. And it's really frustrating when people attach a word before they say capitalism because that <laughs> that implies that capitalism without that word in front of it is okay. And I, and I think Naomi Klein, like, yeah, that's, that's a bone to pick I have with lots of people. Well, it's the way you spend money. It kind of just, it reminds me of the March Against Monsanto action in um, LA. And we had a banner that said, you can't shop your way to food justice, capitalism is the crisis. And I think that's kind of where we're all getting at is that you can't really opt out of it. It's not just going to be able to shop your way out of it. Um, You can't just grow your food out of it. You're going to have to agitate against it. Jay Ray? What we saw with the effort against Monsanto was criticisms of this specific corporation's huge, the specific monopoly's huge influence over our food supply rather than a critique of the structure of capitalism that allowed this corporation and private group to have such large control over our food supply. So it was like focused on March Against Monsanto, but the alternatives that were being presented were by different, creating non-GMO products that will have labels that only certain people can afford. And so what it did actually was give capitalism a new market to address the concerns that the people 
we're expressing against Monsanto, where now there's a new market of food that is non-GMO, organic. It's going to take, like, organizing against capitalism and fascism and... Industry, really. And industry, all of it, and racism, you know, ableism and patriarchy and, like, queerphobia because... The All whole of these damn things structure. are intersectional, you know, and that's the thing. Community that's gardens right. are great, but they don't really feel accessible. And there's a gate to the community garden, and you need a key to be able to have access. And who gets access to that? Even if they do give it to everyone who comes in, who feels comfortable enough to even approach that? And so I think that, like, yes, we should be trying to grow, you know, our own food and, you know, and doing these alternatives. But at the same time, we need to be agitating and we need to be organizing and we need to be talking to each other. And I think in the same way that we're going to fight all the other things that are topics for our five-week series, War on the Poor, it's not going to be convenient activism. And that's what those things are. Like, that's what the donating to freaking PETA or some BS going to have to challenge and deconstruct a lot of things that we hold to be true. Well, I was just going to say that it's interesting how often when you do see these environmental movements and who's participating in these environmental movements, how often it's usually white participants. When I did go to that lecture of the 350.org, it was predominantly white and old. But we want people, you know, in our own communities addressing these issues. And why aren't people of color addressing issues of environmentalism? Well, well, you have white supremacy and like systemic and institutional racism, which is attacking them. They're being attacked by the police. They're living in very impoverished conditions that are constructed for them. So they're not really considering the proliferation of the earth. They're just trying to survive. So I think of migration or immigration reform. I think of uh, people being, you know, pushed out of this country on the basis of the color of their skin, essentially. Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely an intersectional kind of component with class and these issues, class and race. I agree with you, X, that any issue I've been to that's around food justice or the environment. It's been headlined by mainstream institutionalized 501c3 nonprofits, and it is mostly white and middle class and older. But, you know, having the slogan, you can't shop your way to food justice, I think a lot of the institutional components to this issue are saying the opposite. They're saying you can shop your way to food justice. As we gentrify this neighborhood with this Whole Foods, now we have non-GMO crops for you to buy. It's all tied up into that where people are living in food deserts that don't have access to these types of foods. Poor people, people of color, like, but white folks do. And, and that component of gentrifying neighborhoods while not giving food to everybody and we waste billions of pounds of food, it's definitely um, engineered. Yeah, it just reminds me of where I live right now. The food for less near my home, all the produce is always rotting. You know, you'll go and you'll buy and you'll cut it open and it's rotting. And you know it's because it's a non-white community. And there's just access to foods in that way in which people, even if they wanted to shop their way to food justice, wouldn't be able to because Whole Foods is nowhere nearby. Trader Joe's is nowhere nearby. Okay, because environmentalism has kind of made its way dominantly as this idea about people caring about the products they consume, it really does appeal to this white class-based narrative of who has the like leisure or the time or the accessibility or the money or the resources or the access to care about the products they consume because white-based movements are only talking about products. They're not talking about the structures or who has the leisure or the time to withdraw from the system. 
it's not that people of color or indigenous movements aren't mobilizing and organizing for food justice. The myth of food scarcity or, or resources being stolen from us. Right now, there's mass indigenous uprisings in Canada against the Keystone XL pipeline, but the dominant narrative political movements aren't built on that kind of honesty. And by that, I mean movements for power. So recently in America, there was a mass, quote unquote, mass mobilization to do an action against the Keystone XL pipeline where lots of students and lots of people went. I think it was 400 people risked and got arrested at the White House in a mass show of civil disobedience in support. And I would say symbolic support. I know people's bodies were incarcerated briefly, but it's a symbolic action in support of the protest. It isn't actually finding out who's impacted, who's doing that work, the indigenous struggle that is organizing directly, that is actually having this Keystone XL pipeline coming through their lands with from private industries without any consultation with any agreement that has ever been agreed upon with the United States government or with the Canadian government. And instead of doing the difficult work of getting it out of the realm of white supremacist control under capitalism and working with those communities and supporting them directly, we're just seeing like political movements out of like nothing. It looks nice on the resume. Looks nice in a photo op too. Yeah. Um, Bobby? I also think that environmentalism is an issue that I was a white liberal who was privileged and wealthy I would be concerned about because I wouldn't want to have to look at white supremacy. I wouldn't want to have to look at class economic issues. I wouldn't want to look at anti-blackness, um, capitalism, and see how all that intersection to um, environmentalism. Hey, now. So it's <laughs> easy to kind of be able to be a participant in the resistance but still keep your privileges and still have it in a convenient way without really looking at why these things exist. And that brings up privilege and all these things. A lot of the movements focus on making middle class reforms, which usually are just consistently benefit benefiting like white families. And even like the March Against Monsanto, when you looked at the advertising for it, it was, you know, it was like a heteronormative family holding hands on the top of the flyer. Yeah, I just wanted to touch on how very, very important indigenous resistance is these days. You have a lot of reports from NASA saying that they can literally see the drying of our planet from space. And there's 100,000 bats that are falling out of the sky during the summertime just because it's too hot. There are heat waves in Australia. And when it comes to indigenous sovereignty and how they're working to delegitimize the nation state because the nation state that currently exist kind of acted as something that engulfed indigenous peoples to either assimilate or to be pushed out and that's genocide. I think it's important that we ally ourselves with indigenous resistance groups that are trying to create and sustain a better relationship with the earth. And then what you call the things that they're doing, the government, the state will actually call that environmental terrorism in terms of property destruction, uh, which I would say that capitalism is the thing that is destroying the planet. It is not checking its own growth. It's not checking its accumulation of wealth and distributing it equally and freely to everyone. It is the kind of mark of human supremacy. And I think the people who are trying to actually resist against it, people who are aligned with anti-authoritarian indigenous resistance, they are the people that have been challenging this for hundreds of years. I mean, since, you know, the colonization for 520 years. Because of human supremacy, because of our agricultural state, and because crops are being grown and like when we want to remove these veggies, these crops for the humans, for us, for people to feed each other, we are still butchering that life that was once there. 
Something else I want to talk about briefly is like how the environment affects people, how it affects our minds. If like our environment is not like kept up, if there's like trash always around or which I think is structural, trash cans not being on like certain corners, like in black communities or brown communities, like MacArthur Park, there aren't that many trash cans around. It's like, why aren't there trash cans on the corners or nor their bathrooms? So it keeps the community a certain way where you can uh, think clearly about uh, certain ways of life, of living more healthy and more conscious of just your life in general, just because your psyche is being attacked, your psychology is being attacked. Bobby? I also want to say that the animals are fighting back as well. Yeah. Off the coast of Angola, a Atlantic blue marlin actually attacked one of the pipelines, halting 900,000 gallons worth of oil reaching BP. So, and you know, animals are very conscious beings. We don't really understand them and understand their intelligence. Um, so animals are also fighting back. Watch out. Human <laughs> Word. I mean, we can talk about solutions. What are, you know, solutions uh, or direct actions that people can pose in terms of food justice, healthcare, and the environment. I participate in two food justice collectives, uh, Revolutionary Autonomous Communities, as well as Comida No Bombas. And I think building on food and making sure that if there is excessive amount of food that is being used, making sure you use that that to feed people because that food would just go bad it wouldn't feed anybody so by going to farmers markets and picking up excess amount of food that they're not going to use and distributing it freely to people every week that's kind of doing a part in not only feeding ourselves so it isn't necessarily a charity thing it's a mutual aid thing it's feeding each other as well as trying to do that withdraw from gmos from capitalist exchanges that usually need to be made to sustain this kind of interaction it's also building community yeah, direct actions. Talking about getting what you were saying about rescuing dumpster food and getting rotting food. Just another example of how these businessmen are capitalizing off that idea even. Trader Joe's president is launch or ex-president is launching a store that's going to be selling expired food. David Rauch, R-A-U-C-H. He's launching it in Massachusetts and is going to be preparing food that's going bad into hot meals and he's going to be selling stuff at discounts. So, I mean, that's just to make a buck, right? I mean, they, in Orange County, they're pouring bleach on the dumpster food because they're making more money off the insurance rather than allowing hungry people to eat. So yeah, just a couple of facts there, I guess, about how food is being salvaged and made money off of. But um, with direct actions and solutions, if there's 400 young people in D.C. were serious about stopping this pipeline, they would not have zip-tied themselves to a, a symbolic fence. There is something to be said for that as a as a step, I think, towards finding more effective resistance tactics. I, I know I was I myself have participated in uh, a sit-down, civil disobedience, kind of arms-locked, symbolic arrest, I don't think I would again because I didn't see real change come from that. I think we see real change come when 400 people, those same people maybe, take a summer off and go have the oil company file a whole bunch of insurance claims for destroyed property. And next on stack is Jessica. I feel like there's a dual strategy. We need to create alternatives so that we can decolonize our food and feed ourselves. And this is going to take autonomous group efforts, finding food and sharing it, what X mentioned. It's also going to take challenging how space is used, how land is used, how it's owned, like what property is versus communal use of a space to feed ourselves. Hey, now. These are the alternatives that we can actually create together. But because there is this current system and structure in place, creating alternatives and alternative spaces while building community is important but we need to take it a little further in our revolt in terms of being oppositional to the current structures that exist 
And I feel like Ryan mentioned civil disobedience. I participate in civil disobedience. And at some point you realize you have to really analyze the practical effects of the actions that you take. And so while it's nice for us to ask for policy change, restricting Monsanto or restricting some sort of corporation through regulations, we have to understand that this hierarchical structure just teaches these corporations to find other ways to exploit us. And so that we need to actually build and challenge and like go to these industries. And the only reason, the only way they're going to stop producing meat or producing food in this way is if we go to these places, we talk to these workers, we outreach, we talk to them, we're like, listen, we can actually use these means of production, this equipment to create things that actually serve our needs and to not oppress people in the environment and the land and the food and, and the animals in this particular way. And that takes confrontation, you know, direct confrontation, going to these spaces saying this should not be, these spaces should not be used this way. They shouldn't be owned this way. And you've seen that happen like with groups like the ELF, like the Earth Liberation Front, whether you agree with their actions or not, you know, they wanted to take a stand against lumber, the lumber industry. So they burned down a bunch of industry factoring plants and that's property destruction. But so is capitalism. And that person got charged with domestic or, or environmental terrorism. But the people who make money off of these actions don't get charged with anything. What's that documentary? If a Tree Falls? If a Tree Falls, yeah. It's, I think it's worth watching. My, I've got critiques of it, but I think it's worth watching for folks to check out. When we talk about like alternatives, I think uh, everything that uh, Jay Ray was communicating, some of the things I wanted to say like as well, or just support. And one of them is having like these like dialogues and not being afraid to have confrontation, even in our own lives with our like family members and friends, like our workspaces, engaging these dialogues, like, you know, slowly but surely to be able to already be a part of the dialogue. So when things pop off, you're just just trying to catch up to the dialogue when it comes up to like these institutions i think it has to be a lot of confrontation it has to like go be going there talking to the workers and reusing those spaces and reusing those spaces are trying to create those spaces to work differently with the world is going to take a lot of confrontation it's going to like going through people it's going through bodies it's going to be going through fences over fences it's going to be going through doors yeah that's just some things i wanted to say it just reminded me of march against monsanto and their statement of nonviolence. Those sort of tactics were, are meant to divide and not necessarily like open a more broader conversation because like this is going to, we talk about the environment as if it's a single issue, but none of these things are single issue. You know, they all include, they're all part of the war and the poor and they're all capitalism. And so it's, it's capitalism and all these different other hierarchies that we're going to have to work to abolish. And making sure that these spaces are like diverse, that it's not just older like white people like at these things are being comfortable for where only white, older white people are there because it becomes comes like inherently racist because you're not you don't have like people of colors like reusing perspective on it and the last thing i just want to say is that i i also just don't know how we're going to shift and change a lot of these things these are some like routes or some paths that we can take and that i want to take part in and and i'll respect other like parts being taken but overall i don't know is because the majority of us aren't talking about it and that's the only way a horizontal like society is going to work if like the majority of the people have a say so in it the youth um nature things of that sort Direct response from Jay Ray. Yeah, real quick, I just want to affirm that we are just talking about different ways that we can attempt to address what's happening in this current structure of hierarchy. But I do want to say that what isn't working and what has in the dominant strategy has been reform and working with these hierarchical political processes. Hey, now. That kind of avenue of change should no longer be empowered, in my opinion. That concludes the first part of our show. Please tune in on our SoundCloud to check out the second half, where we're uh, no doubt we'll be swearing a lot more and continuing to delve into these issues. For now, we'd love to hear from you. Please call in at 818-985-5735. We've just got a few more minutes here. We'd love to get your feedback. Again, that number is 
985-575-5735. Thank you for listening to On Resistance Radio. You can reach us at onresistanceradio at gmail.com. And you can reach us at our Facebook at facebook.com slash onresistance. And if you're interested in hearing a more in-depth conversation about environmentalism, food justice, you can listen to it on our SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com slash on-resistance. Also, you could check us out on Twitter, the Twitter on Resistance LA and Instagram on Resistance. Yeah, just like X said, uh, please tune in to part two of the show on SoundCloud and all of our past shows. The whole archive is up there. Thank you for listening to the second show of our five week series, hashtag the war on the poor and check us out next week. We'll be on same time Sunday at 1.30 p.m. And what's the topic for the third show again? Housing and gentrification. How exciting. We're looking for you, Mitchell Farrell. Oh, and we're out. In your plate is the battlefield in this food fight. Food fight. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, we're going to jump back into part two of our discussion. Um, you can find everything on SoundCloud, this second part, as well as uh, our entire archive. So let's jump in and see what X has to say. Just bringing up some uh, other examples of uh, direct actions, like I, I don't think opting out of using gasoline is it's helpful but what should also be you know put into question by way of direct actions is these gas and oil rigs these things that continue to perpetuate this kind of like fossil fuel fascism that everybody is living under because there are fracking sites in los angeles that can be protested against that can be people could go there and then do some sort of actions against them that would call their how they're, yeah, kind of consumption and extracting gases from the earth under question. I think it's really important. And just because you mentioned fracking, it just makes me think of this LA Times article I just read about the three city councilmen that came out and said they believe that fracking, that the earthquakes that we've been recently having in Los Angeles is related to the fracking going on in Inglewood. And it's interesting, like, where fracking's happening, right? Like, fracking's not happening in Beverly Hills. No. It's happening in Inglewood, you know, in Inglewood. And, There's um, one in Westwood, too, right? Uh, fracking? It's a joke. I'm sorry. Uh, I was like, uh, <laughs> like no. Okay, so they would be they would be burning buildings in Westwood if that shit was happening. Yeah. Like, please. Right. Um, but yeah, and it's interesting because even like this is when we talk about like anti-blackness and like classness because like even like right across from like Baldwin Hills, which you know like people would consider like the Black Beverly Hills, fracking's going on. So it's just like things like that also to be mindful when we just think about things. And then also regarding alternatives and stuff, it just makes me think of when I was in fifth grade, my elementary school, we were the first solar school and we built like solar cars and raced them and everything like that. And it was like a thing. And it's like that was like in mid 90s. It's 2014. And we're still talking about like solar schools and solar cars being like a thing of the future. Right. It's it, free energy. Yeah. I mean, it's capitalism, right? Because capitalism halts you. They always say capitalism is innovation. But no, capitalism actually creates it because if people make money off these old dinosaur tools <laughs> uh j-ray bodies yeah it's interesting it's not that there aren't solutions and that there aren't alternatives and there haven't been solutions and They're alternatives repressed. for all this time <laughs> yeah exactly they are deliberately repressed by industry by the forces of industry by the forces of capital and so this isn't it isn't radical or revolutionary to say oh maybe we should feed ourselves we actually used to feed ourselves and then when we bring up health and how health is related to the environment and the food that we eat you know like right now we're consistently in a 
defensive reactive position where we're like addressing with all the symptoms that we have to deal with because of the forces of industry and capital controlling all these aspects when really health if we actually control our own food we might be able to prevent a lot of the development of these diseases that cause us to need like this rising healthcare industry and pharmaceutical industry i do not want to say that we don't need technology and we don't need medicine and we don't need healthcare for people especially oppressed communities that are disabled or queer trans communities but i do want to say that we don't know how much of our symptoms are natural versus how many of them are manufactured by capitalism. Mm, that's a really good point. Considering have all of these diseases kind of caused by a lot of the carcinogens that we're eating, I mean, anything that's made in Greece or petroleum-based products is going to have carcinogens in it. And then you have GMOs, which if you're eating genetically modified organisms, for the actual animals that these, these are kind of made to destroy, they produce these crops in order to actually destroy certain bugs. And we don't know what's going to happen to us as we as each generation keeps on internalizing all of these GMOs where people are slowly just getting digesting and it's not eating GMOs and just decolonizing our diet entirely trying to do that but it's hard you know it's hard though because when you live in poverty when you have to eat the things that are necessary you're desperately trying to survive so it's just a constant kind of battle bobby then esho think about not eating i don't intentionalize eating organic food because like that's not even like a possibility i just can't Mm. afford it so like more i just intentionalize trying to eat gmos and all that stuff like like to me like that is not the thing that keeps me up at night i feel like that's such a distance like oh if i live to be 60 years old and like okay I don't expect it. For me, my biggest worries are paying rent, the reality of the fascism that's happening in LA with the LAPD and all these different forms of oppression. They're both like connected, you know, it's like they're not really like separate. If the environment is being like fucked with, if our environment is fucked up, like we're going to be fucked with and we're going to be fucked up because like my community, I can't be sane if my community is being polluted. Like how, how can I, you know, think of anything else if my, so it's like treating like the environment better, we will naturally be treating ourselves better. So we have to do both of them at the same time and not one, not one is more important than the other. There's enough space in this revolution for intersectional revolutionary changes to the way in which we interact with the world as a collective whole. Jerry? And I, f- I feel like that's a really good point because we're constantly told that there's this narrative of human supremacy, that we're better and that we need to like order the entire world and the environment and land and like even each other to like make things convenient for like humans, the human species. Because we're smarter and more evolved. Which, I, you know, I don't really, can- we can't really speak to the consciousness of other sentient beings, Lord, um, hey first now. of all. But I just... Snap, I, snap, snap. Go ahead, Bobby London. This is Bobby London. No, it's cool. I also wanted to respond to, like, something that Bobby London was saying. You know, I think we're all under this current system that affects our mental health very continuously. Stress, anxiety, by putting us, like, in this kind of do-or-die survival of fittest capitalist competition. And what are we doing? We're We're so distracted and miserable trying to find food, to have food access, to find health, to have health access that we really aren't given the autonomy or the space to kind of talk about what kind of food or what kind of health access we have. We're not really even empowered to discuss critically these things because we're just placed in this constructed environment that has actually taken advantage of and exploited the natural environment that causes us to like have to interact like for example this is like might be a conspiracy but you know like I don't like trying to resist like capitalism I'm not trying to be like a smelly hippie right but 
the deodorant has aluminum in it. Like the deodorant, <laughs> the deodorant is poisoning you. There's this huge industry built off of breast cancer. Not only is breast cancer a problem, but there's an industry that has been built to address breast cancer that doesn't actually solve breast cancer. I mean, they're all in bed with each other. These kind of things that you're using, the things that you're eating, which is, you know, it makes you, it slowly makes you sick. And then, oh, you have health care, which costs, you know, tons of money. So it's a lot of everything that that is dictating our lives is influenced by the profit margin. So like all the, the all the oppression that we are that going under as well is also relative to the profit margin. I think what would be great <laughs> in terms of disrupting the oil and just these like keystone cell pipelines or just like spontaneous uprisings uh, that attack these industries where they are so that people can challenge the idea of like industrial greed and like industrial civilization as we know it is not sustainable because yeah. mainstream naysayers and people that follow the status quo like peer-reviewed scientists are saying something that is a big deal it is i'm, no, I'm like, just you know no. now that the mainstream is talking about it people are shitting their pants now that white Wait, people are talking well, about that's it that's what it is like, it's what white people that's what it is is white people talk about it like everything that's coming up i feel when it comes up to about like living more healthily being conscious of the way in which we you know treat environment the way in which we use space and racism, classism, all this shit has been being talked about for generations now by people of color. White people, the Europeans, American structure, Europe is starting to talk about these things. So now it's the right thing to talk about because these economic powers that have established themselves through capitalism and genocide and violence against people of color, black and brown communities on South America and Africa and all. I don't mean to preach, but it's like mm -hmm. now that they're like talking about Take it. Take us to church. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna take you outside of church, hold the lawn, and make you question the church. No, and that's all I'm, you know, just trying to say is now that they're talking about it now, and it's the right thing to do. I think that's a great point. And real quickly, just to tie that back into like the example of what I saw in the live stream was mostly white young people around the fence. Was that that's what you? That's the kind of resistance you get when mainstream white people get involved. It's it's reform symbolic pacifist resistance that isn't actually real. Um, I think some of the solutions folks have been talking about this past hour, you know, they involve local communities. They, they involve not appealing to the morality of a Monsanto CEO or, or a politician that's in his pocket. I really want to just, I appreciate what you said. And I think that example of such a kind of impotent symbolic move is where, where mainstream protests go. This is Bobby, your residential nihilist. And I just want to say we're fucked anyway, so it really doesn't matter. So we should be focusing more on fascism because I think that's going to be more immediate future. And I think human as a species and just like everyone who's on the world, like we probably have, I'd say like probably like 45 years left on us we're running out of oil by 2030 we're running out of drinking water by 2030 so all the statistics are showing that like we've already like played our hand and that we're fucked so uh, like who's doing these studies uh, if we continue on the way in which we are as a capitalist structure i say that this is the way scientists. in which the earth worldwide <laughs> scientists the same scientists they're doing the reports that saying like the planet is sometimes i feel like some of those things are like lead to still into the capitalist interest because I feel I've heard people say like shit is fucked anyway and not using that as a reason not to want to do anything because if I thought we were like completely fucked I w what's the point of doing anything if we were so that your remaining time on life you can enjoy and not just be a slave to capitalism like because we only have a certain amount to live that, and exist that's but, the that's the that's actually the discussion about nihilism is like how like and before everyone gets their shit on the <laughs> twist about nihilism <laughs> Let's go, let's go. Like, there's like After this dark. whole predominant Sorry. discussion like in perception about I know, I about know, nihilism and I think it's like people think it's not okay to say like, oh, maybe there isn't this like overall meaning or there isn't like this, over maybe we are like existentially fucked, you know, here on this planet as we've actually treated the planet. Like maybe we are, but you can go both ways. Some people say, 
you know, this is the reason not to act. Like, do nothing. At least you're not doing, like, capitalism. Mm -hmm. Or some people say, like, since it is the end, like, then what's stopping us from doing everything we can to tear these fuckers down? You know? I I like this cussing after dark (laughs) situation we got. Um, Yeah, and historically, you know, nihilists, they actually did, they were the ones who, like, were, like, all about propaganda by the deed, and they were the ones that were, like, they had an entire, like, historical kind of rebellion against, you know, the things that were, you know, causing them to be nihilists. (laughs) So, like, I think that it is worth, like, looking at in a way that it's like, you know, yeah, we are going to be fucked in the future, so, like, let's actually you know, shed the the ways that, you know, we thought would, you know, maintain our comfortability. And let's, like, try, at least try something new before it all goes to shit. Because if it's all going to go to shit, we might as well each other try to to counter to counter that kind of, like, destruction of the planet. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think I, I was lucky enough to grow up where almost every night I ate around a dinner table with my family. And I think that component to resistance, like how we are getting our food, if we're growing it in our neighborhood, if we're talking to our neighbors, if we're rebuilding community that has been destroyed because of efforts at suburbanizing the entire planet because of efforts at gentrification. If we can kind of rebuild a community of resistance around a food justice issue, like that's helping each other and that's getting to know people around the, food, the dinner table, which I think is, is an important way of how we we get to know our neighbors to me my immediate focus like i feel like i only have this certain time in life and i feel like we only as a species have a certain time in life so i feel like we need to work globally together to overthrow the state you know and all systems of hierarchy and all systems of oppression that includes the environment but i feel it needs to be like an immediate focus on not giving revolution, a, a revolution, yeah, okay. revolution, you know, for sure. And so I feel like, you know, as much as that focus includes the environment, it doesn't include my immediate need because like, I'm not really, you know, what happens to the planet a hundred years and now I'm worried about what happens to me this year or today, mm-hmm. you know, so. Hey now. Word. I just want to kind of touch on, well, the subject of like, you know, the materials needed in order to survive and like the know-how needed in order to survive. I think institutions have really like usurped knowledge and they have really created this kind of way where people have to like opt into certain institutions in order to learn ideas have been arrested into these kind of into knowledge where that is privatized and people who don't have the money or the opportunity to go to these institutions are often left out of that of that knowledge so i think we need to definitely work on liberating all of these all of the knowledge it takes to live as well as like because because that would affect healthcare as well you know if people lived autonomously in like communities they could really kind of create this kind of um i was having a conversation with a comrade and they were like yeah like people could could get the ability to you know to test all of these all of these medicines and then go into um you know, these uh, share these kind of medicines that they created amongst other groups and communities that have uh, done the same thing. That's if all the things like property and like 
medicine weren't privatized. Bobby? It just makes me think how important like autonomous communities are. We talk about all these things like growing your own food, also like here in Los Angeles when it comes to like earthquake, we were already like having assemblies and organizing on like what we're going to do after because we know the state's not going to help us. Like just look at Sandy and look at Katrina. And so I think that when it comes down to organizing against like all these different things that we're talking about, it's it really comes down to autonomy and community assemblies, direct action. Yeah, it really comes <laughs> down to not relying on state structures and like pre-created structures that actually weren't built in our interest. Um, I think reclaiming knowledge is a huge portion of that. I don't know how to actually procure or like, find my own water or like mm. find my own food, learn how to forage, learn which native plants are helpful. These are all things that we can do practically that knowledge that's been like kind of outsourced away from us that like we actually don't know anymore. We're so disconnected from. There's this really great example of street medics from Oakland about women in Oakland providing direct response to gunshot victims because the OPD, the Oakland Police Department, actually let people bleed out, especially if they're black or brown individuals that are like, they get reports of a gunshot. And they're trained to know that. They're trained to take care of that. Yeah, the and way. they actually put an entire area on lock and just like are like waiting for the medics to clear or for like the police to clear the scenes. They won't let the medics in to take care of someone because they don't value like people's life. They don't value black and brown lives. These are the police, you know? So these community street medics, they're an autonomous group. They're taking direct action themselves like outside the state to provide direct response for their community's health on the street regardless of like whatever per, like whatever violence exists you know like demystify the violence and focus on the violence of the state mm-hmm. i would say just i was gonna say skill shares it sounds like mm-hmm. you like that's what snap snap now thank you for listening to um resistance radio <laughs> We are a horizontal collective of radical resistors against capitalism. Revolt. Yeah, do all those things. Um, For yourself. Yeah, liberate yourselves, your community, talk to your neighbors. I need to do that more. I feel like I should talk to my neighbors a lot more than I do, but actually they called the cops on us the other day, so it's hard. Don't call the cops. Don't call, don't call, call the cops. Oh, wait, don't and people have been organizing cops. against no police cops. brutality. That's, like, so triggering. And a like, weekly, like, you know, film the cops. cops. Yeah. Like, always film the cops, yeah. especially if they're targeting black and brown folks. Yeah, shoot the cops, don't talk to the cops. You know, oh, related to... Oh, snap. No, it's related with your to food camera, justice. With your camera. Uh, of course. Okay. Where are you guys? Just to tie it in, the cops' FTP mentality is certainly related to food justice. The South Central Farm cops, SWAT cops, raided that. Police have affected rack. Police have raided farms all, all over the place. They considered uh, Food Not Bombs a terrorist organization in some states. So fuck the police certainly ties into your environmental and food food justice. Feed the people. Uh, fill, uh, film the police and free the people. Right. And right, a lot of times people think like, oh no, I want to focus on the positive issues like food and like health and the environment. And like, I don't want to talk about cops. Like, why are you making this about cops? Like, you need to focus on positive issues. Whatever the issue is we're talking about, who's doing the enforcement? Mm-hmm. Ooh, can we play Six Degrees of LAPD? You know, is so, that a song? No, it's like, uh, I thought it was you like Six Degrees that of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> no, it's like Six Degrees Kevin Bacon, you know, and so like when it comes down to every issue, you can relate it to how LAPD fucks with you or has oh. like an effect on it. I like that. <laughs> right. Well, no, I mean, you, th- you think about the environment, the, the world's largest polluter is the military industrial complex. So that's one degree of separation Woo. that no one ever talks right. about. And one instead, point. LA spends its time getting plastic bags. Uh, oh my criminalized. Gosh. Oh my, yeah, we, we need to talk about, about that because. So, like, don't worry about the polluters that are in the tanks. Let's worry about the fucking plastic bags. Yeah, okay. someone is making money off of 
you not being able to get plastic bags for free because you have to pay for it. Yeah. So it's like, just, you can't shop your way to the revolution. That's another thing. You're not going to be able to buy your way into the revolution. It's going to be participatory, so you're going to have to get involved, but your money is not going to be the only way that you can get involved. I think it's interesting that, yeah, you didn't even, like, you know, they didn't even eradicate the usage of plastic bags. They're just, like, selling them now. (laughs) But... Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't think people realize they banned the use of plastic bags. But really what they did is they started fining companies for having plastic bags. And so now the companies pass that cost on to the consumer by charging the consumer for the bags. And this actually gives them an entire reason to do an entire marketing campaign for their bags. Now all these companies have, like, brand new bags that have, like, special marketing on it. You you literally just described the Health Care Act. Right, <laughs> companies are getting fined mm. for not having the healthcare Word. act, and they're passing that along to the employees, aka the customers and consumers. Like, that's how it works across the industries. Who has healthcare? I mean, I was denied because they said I make too much, but I'm trying to figure that out. I'm part time. I'm still confused about how that. Happened. You might, I might have it because I'm currently getting GR, which is a whole other conversation. Considering you know, damn, we didn't talk about ABT or GR resources or from the that. state in order to attack. You know, or how the, the monthly state. stipend is laughable um, to eat healthy. Yeah. It's enough to just to keep you just like, uh, you know, right above from like dying and drowning, um, but not enough for you to be able to do anything. Mm. And then like what, where you have access other than like grocery stores, like if you're a houseless person who can't cook food, then like, where you, there are going to be places that accept EBT. That's like very few, like especially if you're on the west side, like it's impossible to find places that accept EBT, which is like very discriminatory. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why they and are EBT, discriminating EBT is food stamps it. for those who don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the Eat Better Today card, as one of the homies <laughs> likes to call it. Um, but yeah, it just makes me yeah, think about like how you can get that food. Like I can't, if I'm houseless, I can't go get me a meal to like, you can't buy hot food with some of your, some EBT cards. Right. And when you talk about, like, how food is accessible, look at what food is accessible in terms of, like, the food you get fed in hospitals, the food that's available in prisons. And schools. Exactly. Prison schools, the food banks. The same same food at the food food banks is the same school at the prisons. The same same food at the schools is the same food as the prisons. And then the food band. Mm -hmm. Oh, my god. And there's somebody making money off all of that food. There's so many things. The food band. I mean, if they ban, like, food, like, if they do do make that illegal to distribute food to houses, people, to ourselves, like... Fuck that. Like, do it anyway. I mean, I feel like the the last thing that we yeah. were at, it was just kind of like, oh, you know, they're going to make giving food, you know, illegal. And then, like, other people were like, wait a minute. Like, are you still going to, yeah. you know, give away food <laughs> even if they did this. make it? Yeah. Well, Can we should. talk a little bit about the food ban? I think we should. Yes. I mean, I mean just dive into it. I mean, yeah. what, like... What's like popping with the food ban? I actually don't know much about it. Back actually. in December, when they right, were going right, to propose right. to make distribution of food, non-commercial food, mm-hmm. to be illegal. Yeah, it literally said a non-commercial feeding ban, which meant it was deliberately targeting people who were giving away food for free. And like, what this does is people are like, oh, well, it doesn't actually say it's a ban, but it creates like a permitting process, which will just all these things that they do, they don't help people. They just empower the police and give the police more power to crack down. And empower mm-hmm. capitalists to be and empower so, capitalists to be able to make money and to control food distribution. Yeah, it would definitely you know push out the senoras who use fending you know who food. They've vending. done that in MacArthur Park. Yeah, they are already doing it. They've you know, they're already oh, yeah, the but that's the thing. They usually do. Th- they usually normalize you know the cops going up to people and asking them questions or pushing them out of communities, and then they hit you with the. Legitimate. I mean, we saw that with the gang injunction, you know, mm-hmm. that we're trying to normalize the police presence and then boom, gang injunction. Oh, but you're used to being po- heavily policed. And then 
But anyway, I wanted to, um, in terms of food, like, let's be real. Like, why aren't there fucking orange trees, apple trees all over the place? Why isn't, like, why is our, our the very place that we're living in, it's just to, it's just for aesthetics. You know, you have grass, you have trees, like, all of this was for, you know, I feel like affluent, middle class, you know, kind of aestheticism. It's not, you know, meant to help anybody. It's just if we had fruit trees all over the fucking place, we have apple trees and oranges and potatoes all over the place, like, what would happen? Why are they restricting that? I mean, definitely for control, definitely for profit. We also have, like, just lead everywhere, though. Our shit is, like, like I mean, it's, like, Oh, that's true. Where I live right now, you know, like, we have, what is it called? Like, above beds? Because our dirt has freaking lead in it because no sort of regulation or anything that makes it so that owners of the land to make sure they take care of the soil. So a lot of LA's soil is just shit. So that is a reality when we talk about like, oh, you know, like they just passed this so you can grow food on the sidewalk, that little grass step in between the sidewalk and the street. I'm not going to eat shit from there. That's so <laughs> gross. You, know what I mean? you get all the oil and debris and all this stuff in your soil. So a lot of the times when we talk about this stuff, it sounds good in theory, but in actual practical application of it, it's, it's not healthy food. It's not good food. We're, we're fucked. You know, we need to start doing like vertical, you know, taking back those, you know, take the Wells Fargo building, kick those bankers out and then use Rooftop it for vertical farm. farming. Rooftop farm. Just happening in some places <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It is happening, especially it needs it. to happen in places like LA, which are basically a food desert. What we've done is we've drained this entire area. Like these like entire area, like the indigenous, they're basically wetlands and we've completely drained it of like any resources. And in like certain communities, like especially like Echo Park that's targeted for gang injunction, we talk about what he- what healthy food is accessible. It's absolutely ridiculous that the police want to criminalize the vendors because all it does is like gentrify, help gentrify areas. And like what they're doing is bringing in corporate structures for food so they want people to buy corporate food which is gmo and like you can't even trust the ingredients in like a mcdonald's or jack-in-the-box and all this stuff and as they're criminalizing vendors which actually are community like community food that usually like communities like you know it, they're like indigenous to their diet or whatever and like is actually healthier and more accessible and cheaper we're gonna go out you've been listening to on resistance radio you can reach us at on resistance radio at gmail.com give us your input your criticisms your whatever you would like contact us on facebook as well facebook.com slash on resistance our twitter that you can follow at on resistance la and our instagram at on resistance once again twitter at on resistance la and Instagram at On Resistance. Please question us. We do not have all the answers. We are just trying to have a dialogue and provoke dialogue. We do not know the way in which the revolution is going to be. We just know what will not be a part of it. Boom, fight. Boom, fight. Boom, fight.